And so I'm approaching my capital raising every day of thinking like, okay, who can I help to achieve their goals? Like, who can I help today? How can I help them? Hello, and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, on these Wednesdays, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Ready to talk about some real estate. How about you, Todd? I'm doing good, too, man. Um, so, yeah, we do want to talk about some real estate. Matt, you were just at a conference uh, recently in Louisville, Kentucky, about raising capital. And that's a big part of, of any business. If you're going to be uh, successful in business, you need to know how to raise capital. Uh, well, at least... You may need to know how to raise capital, but especially in, in the real estate world, uh, you need to know how to get the capital for the deal. A big part of getting the capital for the deal is getting the equity. Likely, uh, if you're going to grow and scale, you're going to need to raise some sort of private capital. You're going to need to partner with people. You're going to need to get some money to get the properties done. So with that said, Matt, you attended this conference. It was two or three days. I used three days. Three-day conference. Uh, I know there was a... Uh, a bunch of speakers there and talking about, you know, probably their journey on how to raise capital and stuff like that. And, and giving everybody pointers, I'm sure you met a lot of good people. So let's, let's dive in, Matt, maybe uh, first just give a quick recap of the conference and then uh, we can dive into some details. Absolutely. All right. So uh, Raise Fest 2023 was the first Raise Fest. Uh, there were five, over 500 people in attendance. Uh, and uh, read by, or uh, it was run by Hunter Thompson. So he wrote the book, uh, Raising Private Capital for Real Estate. Excellent book. I highly recommend it. But uh, it, so it's all people who are looking to grow their ability to raise capital. And like you said, it's a kind of a key component in real estate. If you're able to raise capital, you're going to be able to get in some deals. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the bottom line, essentially. Yeah. And um, so there are a lot of, you know, big picture things that uh, were talked about at the conference, as well as like little uh, you know, tips and tricks and skills that you can take away uh, as well. Like one, uh, nice. one cool thing I want to mention is, is that I had given that some thought before the conference is this, uh, you know, AI or artificial intelligence called chat GBT. Uh, have you heard of that yet, Todd? Never heard of it. No chat okay. GBT G uh, chat GPT. So it uh, stands for uh, generated pre-trained transformer. You know, I, mm. don't worry about that. But anyway, so it's this artificial intelligence chat, bot of sorts so you can go onto the website and uh you, you know log in and then you type in your question uh, you know asking yeah, yeah. to do things so you can say like hey uh you know uh, I, you probably wouldn't say hey but you could say write an article about passive real estate investing options and then it would write an article uh you know from you know sources on the internet and just kind of give you a, like a generic kind of thing a first draft if you will you probably don't want to use what exactly it says because if uh if you ask that and i ask it it's going to give us the same article so you just still want to like refine it into your own sort of thing but if you're looking at content creation looking at uh, you know making emails for your email list or social media posts or blog posts or anything like that uh, a great resource to at least get you started and then uh, you make it your own from there. And I think, uh, uh, you know, what we're going to see over the next few years with uh, artificial intelligence involved in real estate, it's going to blow up. You know, you're going to be able to like upload your, you know, 
operating memorandum and rent roll onto these artificial intelligence uh, you know, websites and say, analyze this deal for me. And it's going to spit out uh, you know, some performance expectations based on rent growth in that specific area and uh, you know, all, all sorts of different data that it's able to pull from the internet. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That, I, I could see how some technology could really uh, streamline some of that underwriting, especially if we can look at some some current data metrics that are happening and it can really quickly pull from those data metrics. I think the challenge is how accurate is the internet and the data metrics. So if you're asking, let's just call it, you're asking to uh, underwrite a deal in Louisville, Kentucky, because that's where you were. Um, I can go onto the internet right now and I can say, what is the population of the Louisville, Kentucky MSA? And I will get 10 different populations of the Louisville, Kentucky MSA. Now they're going to be fairly close to each other, but nothing's going to be the exact same. I will get, if I say, Hey, what's the population growth of Louisville, Kentucky, I will get again, 10 different responses. Now, again, they're going to be probably fairly close to each other, but they're all going to be different. Um, I, I think that's going to be the challenge is how you have to be extremely detailed uh, but you also have to fact check whatever the AI is spitting out. So with new technology comes definitely new challenges, but it's exciting for, I think that that sounds really cool. The writing of the article sounds really cool. Again, fact, you got to fact check it though, because I could I could ask uh, to, to write an article on a specific topic, but if somebody wrote a, a bogus article and it's pulling partially from that, now you might have some bogus facts in there. Uh, you know, some, some details that maybe shouldn't be in there or something like that from a non-credible source. So I could see how it'd be really cool. I think there's definitely probably going to be kinks to work out, but that, that sounds exciting. Yeah. And I mean, the more specific you can be with your requests, the better you off you are as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the kids uh, of the world are already onto it. They're already using yeah. it to write their homework, do their math homework and, you know, English essays, all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's a busy website. You, you have to kind of try a few different times to be able to uh, log in, actually, uh, because otherwise it's overloaded with people already on it. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I'd imagine, I mean, that talk about a space then if you want to just create another chat GPT for yourself or for, for other people. I mean, that, that sounds like that's an opportunity there. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, uh, you know, raising capital, of course, that was the main thing of uh, the, the main idea. Um, what, what was the overall feeling right now? We're in January, 2023. What was the overall feeling of what's going on in the market? How, how were people excited? Were people nervous? Were people apprehensive? Were they not doing deals? Were they doing deals? What, what over the overall was the feeling in the conference? Well, people are still doing deals. People are still finding good deals to do. And, you know, when you're raising capital and you, then you can partner with other people that are finding the deals. So, you know, I guess uh, whether you're focused on finding deals, like you're limited on your own ability with broker connections and finding off-market deals and stuff. But if you're raising capital and you're connected with a bunch of different sponsors, then uh, you can cherry pick all the best deals uh, to get connected with, you know? Yep. So, um, uh I guess the, the whole idea of the market, while it's been a little bit slow these past couple of months, that's kind of part of its seasonal, part of its just uh, the potential apprehension. The yep. um, I guess the, the big speakers, the keynotes, were talking about uh, the prognosis for the world. 
and you know other countries in the world are are going to get a little hit a little hard this year and especially next year with a potential recession like in Europe but uh, America we're expecting to be a little bit softer of a landing depending on you know what the feds do with the interest rates so they could yeah. definitely overshoot it <laughs> with trying to get down to two percent um, but uh, so we'll just wait and see with that but uh, overall very optimistic Again, we've talked a lot about the economy, and that's that's not what this is going to be about. I mean, you could listen. Literally, we were just talking about the dead. You can listen to fifteen different people, and you come up with fifteen different answers of what's going to happen, and they all sound very compelling. They all sound like you listen to that person, you're like, "Whoa, they're right. That's exactly what's going to happen." Then you listen to the next person; it's complete opposite, and you're like, "Whoa." They're right. That's what's going to happen. You know, so you, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we do know there is a probably a, a decent uh, a decent amount of probability that we are going to hit a recession again. I can't guarantee it. We could we could all of a sudden hit this massive expansion again and and everything is great. And and it's, you know, feels like, man, we're just just humming along like it like never before. Right. So we don't know exactly. But um yeah, just just be prepared. So, uh, let's talk raising capital. What what were what were maybe one, two, three, uh, maybe it's twenty seven uh, things that just kind of like the key things that maybe were like, whoa, I never thought of that before. Was there anything that was introduced, was talked about that you said, whoa, I just never thought about it like that, or I just didn't even know that was a thing. I guess my own personal single takeaway, it, it may be different from everyone else uh, who attended there, but my yeah. own personal thing that I, uh, I interpreted it and took is that, you know, I'm in this business to help people to achieve their goals, their dreams, their futures mm -hmm. that they want. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and so I'm approaching my capital raising every day of thinking like, okay, who can I help to achieve their goals? Like, who can I help today? How can I help them? And it's like you say, you know, you know, raising money for deals, it's not selling people, it's sharing opportunities. So yeah. really taking that to heart with the attitude of like, who can I share an opportunity with today? Who can I help to make their, their future brighter? Is there anything that you would have said before the conference, like maybe contradicted something that you would have previously thought? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess one one thing is more about uh, you know global uh, futures of uh, you know I'm expecting the population of the world to keep on on growing, uh, but uh, you know, Bob Fraser, who was on the keynotes, that was talking about that. Yeah, he, super smart guy. Yeah, super super intelligent, and and yeah. uh, uh, so uh, he was showing that like, Bruce, Bruce Fraser, by the way. Oh, it, it was Bob Bob oh, Fraser. Then I'm thinking of somebody oh. different. <laughs> Well, maybe I mean, he's, he's not very smart. Oh, okay. Bob, Bob's a dummy. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. I don't know Bob then. Yeah, it's all right. Bob and his, his son uh, Ben were there. But anyway, okay. um, so the population of China, for example, over the next 70 years is expected to half in yeah. numbers. Yeah. Isn't and that I, something? I didn't realize that before, you know, and uh, I guess I hadn't been paying close attention to that. But uh, so you think about real estate in China yeah. for the long term, like, you know, wow. Uh, yeah, China, China's scary, and that yeah. and that, by the way, has implications upon the world because of how we are set up now. Where I mean, we're a world economy; it's not just China by itself. They're not just this like little isolated country. Obviously, they they do a ton of business all around the world. Now, that's exciting for other nations that are competing with China, maybe not getting as much business because Ch the people 
you know, uh, uh, companies are going to China. So it's, it's exciting probably for countries like, like India and a lot of the, a lot of the Asian countries, uh, some South American, Central American, African countries. I think there's a lot of opportunity for some of these countries who have some resources and creativity to replace a lot of what China uh, has built up over the years. So yeah, China, China is an interesting deal, but that's going to affect the world. I mean, the, the other thing too, is you look at the U S the U S population is not growing like it used to, you know, the average household is having less kids now. And so it's, we are, we are a trajectory where we will see basically, uh, a couple of the average, the average couple or the average person will have one child. Right. Uh, and so that means we're not replacing ourselves more than just peer replacing, right? We're not adding. So that's a population growth of zero. Um, and so what that's going to require to grow the population is immigration. Yes. Uh, that's, that's the only way you're going to grow the population uh, in the U S if we continue this trend, of course, that trend could, could change, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's changing. And in China, it's even worse than that. They're, they're not even having, one child per person they're having. Um, I, I can't remember what the statistic was. It's pretty low. It's like 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.7, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So uh, essentially they're going to have a population that ages out. So they're going to have more people retiring than they're going to have in the workforce. Yeah. At, at a and just wait till these baby boomers start to start, start to die. Right. I mean, the baby boomer generation, quite frankly, is still pretty young, right? The, the average baby boomers are in their mid seventies. Most of those baby boomers are still alive today. Just wait until the average age, the average age of a baby boomer is, you know, 75, 80 years old. Um, that's, that's a lot of population loss that's going to happen in a short period of time between China and the, the U S Europe, you know, a lot of, a lot of different places, but that's, that's a big amount of population loss. So that'll be really interesting. That's interesting point to bring up and how that affects real estate. Definitely things to think about, um, as you're looking at long-term outlooks. And another thing uh, that I took away that I hadn't really, uh, or maybe I disagreed with beforehand is uh, of like really focusing your efforts with social media. So you're better off doing just one social media channel, whether that's Facebook or LinkedIn or, or Instagram or whatever, you know, one that you really like and doing that well versus trying to do, you know, posts on, on all of them all at the same time. Yeah, I think that's super valuable. I think you have to pick one source, and I, I agree with that. Um, pick one source, do it really, really well, and go ahead and become an expert at that. Grow your audience at that, and feel free to then add on to it once you grew your grew your audience. And you know, one one thing that I do a lot is just repost content on multiple channels. And I know that's maybe not the best thing to do, but if I'm focused on one channel and then I just repost onto the other ones and those are kind of in the backseat, then I don't, I don't feel like there's any harm in doing that. But for me, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. You got to focus on that. And the other thing is you got to be consistent and that's something that I, I have to work on myself. I'm very inconsistent with it. I will post for, you know, three, four days in a row, and then I'll forget about it for two or three weeks, just because I hate social media, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, you've got to be consistent with it. That helps a ton. Well, good news for you. There's people who you can pay to do your social media on your behalf. Uh, so. Yeah, I know. I, I probably should uh, hire one of those 
find people to to do some social media on my on my behalf. Maybe some some maybe eventually I'll have some AI program that'll be able to do it for me. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> you still want to like oversee it to make sure they're not uh, you know feeding the audience full of BS that uh, you don't agree right. with. Right, right. Uh, or, uh, you know, their own political agenda or whatever it is. Um, and that actually happened to a friend of mine where, you know, they had a VA that was doing a lot of their social media and that VA was posting a lot of their, you know, personal beliefs and political beliefs and things like that. And it wasn't really aligning with that person. Um, so it was a little awkward, you know, where you're looking at their website, and you're like, or looking at their social media posts, you're like, what's going on here with you? I, I didn't know you got so uh so political on your you know linkedin profile it's really interesting <laughs> so yeah you probably um, don't want to get too political in your posts because you can drive away half the audience well i mean that's and and quite frankly you can right i think i think that's important if that's really where you want to go right so i i think it's okay to to drive away half your audience if that's the audience that you want to drive away so i i but for me, like political, like that, first of all, I don't really give a rip. Like I shouldn't say I don't, I don't care. I mean, I have beliefs and I, I have cares, but that's not like my passion to like think, to talk like that and to, to act like that, but it is some people's. And so I think that's fine uh, for people to really lean into what they believe. Um, and and so like, I look at a guy, uh, Ellis Hammond was there, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, Ellis talks about his faith and his message is all about his faith, all about his Christianity is his message. And that's great. Now he drives mm -hmm. people likely away. Okay. So, so people that don't believe people that people that just are complete, you know, non-believers or, or maybe they're um, you know, he's Christian. So maybe they're Jews, maybe they're Muslims, whatever it is, they likely are driven away from him. Now, some will probably actually are driven towards him because even though they don't believe the same thing, they have strong faith themselves and they, they're really attracted to that. So he probably does attract a few people, but, but at any rate, it's okay for him because he's, he's driving away the people that he doesn't really is. That's not his target audience. But he's bringing in people that are his target audience and they're creating a, a deeper connection with them because of what he's doing. They're trusting him deeper because of what he's doing, because he's talking about his faith, because he's talking about that, that faith journey, because he's talking about how uh, what he's doing is enhancing the kingdom of God. People are now going, hey, I, I want to be part of, of what Ellis is doing. So I think that's that it, that it can be valuable to really dive into what your beliefs are. Oh, I agree. I mean, and Ellis was a great example there of, uh, you know, a common theme throughout the conference that the riches are in the niches, you know, the more niche you can get with your yeah. audience, the better, because uh, you're going to, you're, you're going to be the dominating force within that niche. Yeah, I, I think that's really cool. I mean, you got to pick something that you're really kind of passionate about that you know a lot about or, or can learn a lot about and just just make that your thing I look at uh politician like marco rubio he gets made fun of because he says a lot of the same thing a lot of the same thing over and over and over again but his whole thought there is again i that's my niche that's what i'm good at and that's what i'm going to talk about and and i'm going to attract those people that want to hear that message and with that that i'm going to win my political office back or political seat back every time mm -hmm. And then another great uh, theme of it was, you know, is uh, we've what, or one thing that we've talked about here in the, the podcast is that real estate is a team sport. I mean, you can try to do it on your own, but you're not going to get very far or nearly as far as you can by working with other people. So the the networking at any conference is where the real value is at. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so, uh, did they have pretty good breakout sessions or, or what did they have for, for networking? Was it, was it solid like that? Uh, no, it was all like in one room, I guess they like at lunches, they had some breakout rooms for the lunches. And then, yeah. uh, you know, like there was a VIP, um, you, you know, happy hour and stuff like yeah. that. But, uh, did you get your VIP tickets? Yes. Yes. I got a VIP ticket nice. and that was worth it. Uh, but then there was like a, a other layers, you know, if you were in the raise masters, uh, you know, program, which is their mastermind or, or they have another level up from there. So, you know, uh, they had different levels beyond VIP, but uh, that's okay. So, and then I yeah. already got my ticket for next year, another VIP. It's just, uh, you, you definitely want to be amongst the other serious people. And I think, uh, by getting a VIP ticket at conferences helps put you in the right room with the right people. Yeah, that's definitely one thing that, I mean, it, it certainly separates people when you look at who's in the VIP room versus who's not. Now there certainly are some tire kickers in the VIP room, but not nearly as many. It's people that are, even if they have, don't have a lot of experience, they have a passion to be successful. And so that's their main goal is to be successful. Maybe they're not there yet, but they're working really diligently at it. And so those are people you want to be around, even again, even if they don't have the success yet, they have that mindset, they have that attitude. And that's the reason why they paid the extra to get the ticket. Yep. So um, what else, what other lessons, Matt, if I'm going to go out there and raise capital tomorrow, what do I need to do? Uh, you need to follow all the rules and regulations with it. No need to break the law. So you make sure you have an attorney as, as part of your team uh, to you know keep you you know under control. Yes, yeah, the huge, right? Uh, did they have attorneys there speaking? Uh, I think you know they didn't have like a session Should've. specifically on compliance. I mean, they talked around it, but uh, yeah, that's that's my only criticism. They didn't go deep enough into compliance. But granted, like if there was a session only on compliance, there'd be like everybody'd fall asleep, maybe. But uh, I'd be awake. I'd be interested. You can make well, it interesting enough if you've got a dynamic enough speaker talking about compliance. You can you can do a good job at that. So. Um, uh, all right, compliance. Definitely make sure you're going through securities attorneys. What? What was there any just talk about? You know, raising capital for other deals and like the, the you know the right way to do it versus the wrong way to do it. Yeah, I mean, so they talked about fund of funds, uh, which yep. is uh, you know thing that I'm I'm looking deeply into right now as uh, you know for future deals. What's a fund of funds? So my listeners understand it. Okay, so this is essentially like, let's say, so I'm, I'm putting on a fund of funds. So I'm raising capital from people I know, you know, or, or people maybe I, I don't know in some sort. But uh, so we, we put our money together into this fund. And let's say instead of like uh, each of us putting $50,000 directly into the deal, we assemble our money together into like a million dollar fund. Now I can go to the syndication sponsor with a little buying power, negotiating power to say like, hey, if you want this big chunk of money, then you need to give us a little bit better return, you know, a little bit better pref, uh, a little bit better, you know, equity split after the preferred rate of return. And then um, like me as the fund manager, I can either, you know, keep that myself as the, the arbitrage or the delta in between, or I can share that, you know, with my investors, depending. But even if I'm keeping it, I'm still adding a lot of value to my investors because then they're not having to find the sponsors because there's a lot of great sponsors out there and there's a lot of not so great sponsors out there that uh, will run deals into the ground. 
And then I, as the fund manager, I'm also vetting the deals as well. So I'm, uh, you know, doing all of the work on behalf of my investors for them. And then, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's still definitely compliance with that, but, but mm-hmm. um, one of the reasons why that works so well is because again, you're, when you're creating that fund, you're creating an LLC, creating a company. And that company is going to then invest in another company, right? And that that's now your business vehicle, right? Is that investment? And, and like you said, Matt, as the GP of the of the fund, you can now create a structure to where you can actually get paid to bring those funds into the deal. Now, again, there's, there's legalities. You want to make sure you're, you're doing it right. You got to hook up with the securities attorneys and make sure you're following the rules, but that's a way for you to be able to get paid to raise capital. Cause otherwise just goes just quite frankly, getting raised to getting paid to raise capital in, in for the most part is illegal unless you get a broker dealer license. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's that exception with the fund of funds that you don't need the broker dealer license, but there are technicalities. Like you say, you, you're yeah. better off, follow all the laws and regulations. Uh, yeah. No need to break the law with that. Uh, well, the one downside with that, I would say is it can get, it can be expensive. So if you're just doing the fund of funds model and you're only raising, you know, let's call it a, a half a million dollars. It's pretty expensive to set that up because you're going to have to get you as a securities attorney. And so you're going to spend probably close to $10,000 by the time you're all said and done just to get that set up to raise the $500,000. So that's a big expense. Uh, but now if you're raising a million, 2 million, 5 million, 10 million, uh, then it starts to make a lot more sense that the higher and higher you can get. Yeah. And there's different ways to set up the funds. Like, like you could either do one fund for one deal or one fund that can cover multiple deals. Yeah. You can do an open fund as, you know, as, as well, where you can continue to, to uh, raise that capital for it. Right? Yeah. So. And the best part is the investors of the fund still have equity ownership in the real estate investment. So they're still getting a K-1 and their right. uh, tax benefits that come along with that mm-hmm. as well. That's cool. Um, what's the number one way to raise a million dollars? What was the resounding, hey, this is what you need to do? Uh, well, I mean, you, everybody starts with their friends and family. but. Uh, you the the you know when you get past that you have to find that niche that you're you can really connect with so that whether that you're you're going to a, a doctor conference and you're the only real estate person with booth at the doctor conference and you're able to show the doctors like how you're able to support them uh uh you know to be able to achieve their goals like you you got a niche down and and become the best resource within that niche and mm-hmm. then you'll have a a great flow you know in income uh of, with your uh, passive real estate investing and your capital raising. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, there's a book actually called networking with the affluent and, and that's book. A, yeah, that's a really cool book because it kind of makes you think a little bit outside the box and how you can get into some of these groups uh, and network with them and add value to them. So it's all about adding value, right? If you're, mm-hmm. if you're not adding value, you're, you're just not going to be successful. One of the things too, I, I firmly believe as, as a, somebody who's going to raise capital, the successful capital raisers are people that are confident in themselves um, and are confident in what they're offering. So I, I think there's nothing more important you know, than really building your confidence. Mm-hmm. 
I think understanding how, even though I say it to people, hey, raising capital is not selling, it's providing an opportunity. It, that That is true, but it's also not true. It is still selling, right? It, it is. It still follows the fundamental rules of selling. So I think anybody who's serious about capital raising needs to understand how to sell. And if you don't know how to sell, and you don't know how to talk to people confidently, you don't you don't know how to be sure about yourself um, without being arrogant or cocky. Then you should be taking sales courses, in my opinion. If you're going to be a capital raiser, I think that would that would do anybody a lot of good is to take sales and marketing courses. Quite frankly, because you're marketing and you're selling, you're marketing and you're selling, you're marketing and you're selling. Uh, and that's what you're doing as a capital raiser. So if you want to be really good at it, that's that's my opinion. Take sales and marketing courses, learn how to be very confident in, in what you're doing. And you can learn how, in my opinion, your confidence will grow. It, it, in this, I got to be careful saying this, but your confidence will grow with, with the knowledge and, and the experience. But that's not 100% true because I do know people that are, very, 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 very knowledgeable that still can't sell uh, anything and still can't, you know, raise capital. So you don't, I, I think, so I want to be careful when I say that. I, I, I don't want it to sound like, hey, you just got to be super, super knowledgeable and you're going to all of a sudden be able to sell that. That's not necessarily true, but you do need to have enough knowledge to where you can speak eloquently to people, where when people ask you questions, you can answer those questions or you know where to find the answers to those questions, right? So I think that that's really important. That helps your confidence. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's key. And uh, I th- also uh, with selling, I think people are on to like the old like 1980s of like always be closing, you know, you know hard, you know, close kind of tactics. And, and so people don't, you know, they pull back when you're trying to do that. But yeah. so uh, if you're more of like, showing them opportunities, adding value to them first, like you say, uh, they're going to be more attracted to you and, and to be willing to do business with you once they know, like, and trust you. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, so it's the importance too, of having, of continuing to grow your network, right? Continue to grow your investor database is really important. And for me, you know, a lot of people get caught up with numbers, Matt. They, oh, I got to grow my database by 5,000 people. I don't want to grow my database by 5,000 people. I want to grow my database by 500 people because I want the 500 people that are actually going to invest in my deals. And then I want to continue to just, you know, provide them value, be around them, have them understand what we're doing and see it. And then when we have an offering for them to be interested in it and listen and even not even invest in it most of the time, you know, just go, all right, this is interesting what these guys are doing. I want to follow along. I want to understand this. And maybe three, four, five deals down the road, they end up investing. Um, but patience and and not always be closing, I think is is definitely good. You know, you still want to close, but to an extent. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you kind of put the nail on the head. You don't need more people on your, in your network. You need the right people in your network. So, you know, that's one thing they talked about as well, like how to get connected with accredited investors Mm -hmm. that are looking to invest, uh, you know, meeting the right people at the right time that, uh, so, uh, it's really targeted in, in your approach. Yep. 
Yeah. Figure out who, who you're going to attract and, and who quite frankly, you're excited to attract. So don't go, just go after doctors because you know, doctors have money. If you have zero interest in talking with doctors and have you know nothing in common with them, why would you go after them? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you have more in common with engineers. Well, then that's who you go after, right? That that's who your target, that's what your niche becomes or, or, you know, it, and it could be even, even maybe doctors, but maybe it's a, even a surgeon. So even, even mm-hmm. niche down even farther. So, you know, there's so many different groups out there that make a lot of money um, and that you can go after that would be interested in investing in a syndication, right? There's, there's so many different groups out there that make a lot of money, but you got to make sure you can talk with them. You got to make sure you can hang out with them, have a good conversation with them and that they'd be interested in you, right? What do you have to offer? Exactly. Like, like if you have a sort of natural historical connection with that group, like I met a girl at the conference uh, who um, she has a, a good connection with photographers because uh, she's like a, a contract connector, you know, to get photographers to, to, you know, get business. So they, she knows how much they make. She is already involved in that business. And so that's kind of her niche of, yep. you know, raising capital from them. Yep. Yep. Love it. Love it. Well, cool, Matt. Anything else that uh, was, you know, that you got at the conference that you really took that you could pass to our listeners or do we cover everything? Uh, persistence, just keep on driving. You know, if, uh, if at first you're not succeeding, well, keep going. You know, it's like, uh, when you're starting a new podcast, uh, you know, you're probably not going to beat Joe Rogan's uh, numbers on your first uh, week. So it takes time to build over time, but, uh, keep going. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, everybody goes at their own pace and you see other people posting and you see like, Holy crap, what are they doing? That's unbelievable. How can I do that? And sometimes you get really nervous about it, but it doesn't mean that they're converting either. It doesn't mean that they're being successful. You know, I, I know several people that are posting how many, you know, followers that they have and how many people are watching their YouTube videos or listening to their podcasts or so on. And they can't, raise much capital because they're not converting on those people. They just because they have big numbers doesn't mean anything. So focus on what you're doing and use other people maybe for motivation, but don't use them to distract you. Make sure that you don't let them distract you. Make sure you don't let them, you know, get get you down because they're doing so much better than you because you really don't know. Um and, and most of it's fake anyways. Oh, exactly. You're, you're not in competition with anybody either. Like, right. uh, you know, there's always going to be people ahead of you, always people behind you. I mean, all you do is, is do your very best with what you got. Yep. You got it. All right, man. Well, um, awesome. Thanks for going to the conference and then giving us all that information for free. Thanks for paying for those tickets. So yeah, we could no learn problem. from you. Appreciate that. Um, man, uh, well, Matt, again, appreciate it. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks, you do. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and and want this. So 
the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.